best new six-part Danish crime drama. She steams herself in marble rooms, courtesy of Big Pharma. I lose myself in the light of the TV, courtesy of her father. She buys everything that glows gold in the kitchen larder. is juicing watermelons on the breakfast island and with frail hands she grips the Nutribullet and the bite of its blades reminds me of a future that I am in no way part of and in a wall of photographs in the downstairs second living room's TV area I become her father and complain of mediocre theatre in the daytime and ice in single malt whiskey at night of rising skirt hems, lowering IQs, and things just aren't built like they used to be. The absolute pinnacle of British engineering. And I am so ignorant now with all that I have learned. Well, we are back. Welcome uh, once again. And uh, I guess this week, this is a very special episode of This Week in Wrestling. My host, my co-host, uh, Pete Schumacher. Ah, I meant to ask you, would you rather be called Schumacher? I think you go by Pete Schumacher, right? Pete Schumacher, yeah. how you doing tonight, Pete? Good, man. Good, good. It's, yeah. been, uh, it's been a while since we've done a podcast together. Yeah. Uh, but... At least a good year, huh? Year, yeah. I don't know. It feels a while, man. It feels forever. This was the craziest year ever, so it made everything feel like it was taking, you know, a year for a month to go by, but then somehow the month felt like so little happened that it was like only a couple days. It's it's kind of crazy. It's ah. Anyways, yeah, that's not why we're here. We're not here to talk. Podcasting and year and whatever. And I and this is like my second one I've done in like ten days and stuff. Uh, nice. Yeah, I didn't I even did, realize. I, I did a, a Gideon guys with Johnny Sorrow and Travis. And uh, uh, talking about Legends of Tomorrow, and we're doing, we did the I, I did uh, an episode with them, yeah. And I haven't I haven't done this, so let's see if I can knock the rust off a little bit. Yeah, I have to go back and and, and listen to that. Then is it out? Yeah, it should be. I, I don't I don't even listen to podcasts hardly any unless I'm running <laughs> uh, so, or walking sure, sure. actually because I've been on this uh, trying to lose weight type of thing. So yeah, yeah, which is great. You've been doing a good job with that. But we are here. Not to talk about uh, your weight loss uh, yeah, no. <laughs> journey, which Not that which exciting, which trust me. Yeah, it's definitely a schlock. It's like it's just it's just doing the work. Yep. But we are here to talk about uh, Limitless Wrestling Double Vision. I saw this card, I saw these matches, and I thought I definitely want to talk about these. Quentin, my normal co-host, needed a well-earned week off after uh, how much podcasting he did. Um, it feels like 
forever ago at this point to me, but it was just last week uh, with the top wrestling matches of the 2010s, top 100 wrestling matches of the 2010s coming out with him and Brock, and then us following that up with the, the reviewing the uh, the Stardom uh cinderella whatever it was show that we talked about last week so i said i gotta review this and i know just who to talk to because i know that you are a fan of uh daniel garcia in the main event here and and so i figured hey you'd want to talk about limitless wrestling double vision um open it up i think it was pre-show it was weird that like the commentator or not the commentator the the ring announcer kind of said like they were starting the tv or i couldn't tell what the fuck was going on but i think it was like a dark match or pre-show match it was uh mac daniels coming out for like an open challenge he's i guess a new heel to the company but he's got an old uh uh an old uh what am i trying to think like manager type who's like an old to the company manager type who's like, I, I, you know, I've been winless. I need to get somebody who's going to be able to like, get me some, some W's, get me some money here. So he'll open challenge. They've got a, a likable baby face called Doug love who comes out, um, plays like a romantic loser gimmick, uh, roses all over the floor. And then he loses the match relatively quickly, uh, under three minutes. It's not much to write, to write home about. Um, liked this match a much better on pizza party when it was a, a Ezekiel, versus uh, Oswald project if you want to do this kind of thing I think you can uh, you can definitely pull it off a little bit better but I get where they're coming coming from here uh, first match of the show proper and the first match that Pete you saw um, Alec price versus Myron Reed um, I've seen a little bit of price but not a lot Reed I've seen a ton of up until this point but Pete what did you think about this one yeah I'm with you I've I've seen uh, enough Reed uh, price this is actually my first time seeing him I uh I thought he, I thought Price kind of, I don't want to say he has an it factor as in like he can headline mania type of thing, but he has, he seems interesting. Like he, I'd like to see more of what he can do. Um, I don't, what, do you know what's up with the chest protector gimmick now? I don't understand. Uh, uh, so, okay. So I know a little bit of this kind of there. I don't know that there's much more to it other than it's like a bulletproof vest Myron Reed and a few other people who I know, one of which is Jordan Oliver, um, which, of course, he has to come up because I have to fucking talk about that asshole on every podcast. It's like required (laughs) now Um, are in a stable that's called Injustice. Um, Something about the stable, I think, is based around that idea, right? It's Injustice. It's like it's kind of a BLM protest. We're getting treated bad kind of thing. So I think he wears a bulletproof vest. It's meant to be kind of a protest thing about like, you know, that that he's not safe in America or whatever it is, you know, kind of thing thing so it's it's a bulletproof vest it's not like meant to be like a chest protector like a d'lo brown thing and it's it's more of a political statement than a wrestling gimmick which is i know you would hope that you would play into it and make it into something but that is not i guess the point of it okay yeah i thought the match was had it was solid uh i will say though i despise that mirror leg takedown nip up spot uh way too uh cooperative way too planning i mean it just seems like you know that's definitely something uh it's you know i mean yeah i understand wrestling scripted and stuff but this but it shouldn't come across scripted and like a spot like that just comes across scripted i enjoyed reed's i thought reed's forearms looked really nice in this match um i like myron reed focusing on price's neck uh i like the counter to the nip up by reed into the finish um you know, good, 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 solid stuff. I mean, a good, solid opener. I thought maybe they did a little bit too much kicking out of finish, not finishes, but, you know, near falls for an opener. 
uh, that I called the opener, even though, you know, the other ones kind of, I thought this is a, you know, start the match story show proper. I know sometimes you want to put on a real barn burner, but I like, I like you kind of just start getting into it and you understand what the show's about. And I did, they did a good job with that. But again, I thought there was just a little too much, uh, uh, kickouts. Um, and, uh, but I will say I really enjoyed the promos in between matches. I liked how they explained where they were at and kind of where they're going, uh, in the future, so I enjoyed. I really enjoyed like the promos in between the matches. But yeah, that was a good, solid opener. What about you, Tim? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm with you, and I think that it it it's there's definitely a, a hot opener. But I think that it's also a different style of opener from these that you can get. And it was something I thought about, but I didn't think about. I mean, it's it's crazy to look back on it because there. I mean, there's a possibility we even reviewed some of the matches from back in the day. But I was thinking about. Like early on, the first few times I saw Myron Reed was like um, NWA New South, NWA like the the Smoky Mountain revival that they did, um, and I think we talked about a little of it back in the day. But like he's been around for a while now on the scene, um, and I was yeah, just thinking about well, his... yeah, you know, he's been around and but he seems like he's still in the same spot almost. I, I mean, I hate to say yes. That. Uh, because he did, he, yeah. he had, when he first came out, he had that buzz, like, because uh, he, I mean, I know Elgin's, like, you know, DOA, uh, pretty much, but at the time, he, everyone was like, oh, he's the prize student of Elgin, him and Stallion, and yeah. uh, I, and Reed, and you saw it early, he seemed more flashy early on here, this was more meat and potatoes type of stuff, and I thought his psychology was better now, but he wasn't as flashy and as, as exciting to watch, it seemed like now, but right. maybe because, you know, but go on, I'm sorry. No, no, no. And yeah, exactly what exactly my point is that a lot of times these kind of opener high pace high action matches can just be two young guys uh, going out there and doing fireworks matches. But Reed, I mean, realistically, he's in a place that I think like like A.R. Fox was in like three, you know, four, three or four years ago where it's like they have to develop into being that veteran hand because they've been around for so long already. And, you know, they've got that that they, like, have to lead the matches. And he talked about it. He's a little bit less flashy here. He's not – the match is not all about his high spots. He's a, his psychology is a little bit better. He's not perfect. Like, A.R. Fox, I think, grew into being that, you know, veteran of the indies role really well. Now we got to see Myron Reed do the same thing. He can't keep just being the young guy with potential. He's got to start showing a little bit more depth and, and developing. So this was, like, different than just a match with two young guys going at it. It did have a little bit more there with, with Myron really is kind of a vet. It's crazy to think about, but that was years and years ago, the first few times we started seeing him, and he was this, yeah, he was supposed to be the prodigy of the Elgin students. Um, and now it's, like, it's time for him to be able to lead this kind of match. Alec Price, I agree with you 100%. He's, it's not the it factor. It's the it factor that guys like me and you have always like kind of talked about when we start seeing people for the first time you can kind of see okay there's something there this person can has something athletically also has something like with the presentation a little bit of charisma whatever it is it's not saying this guy has to be the top guy but it's a okay i'm gonna you know i'm gonna watch this match i'm not gonna skip his matches you know in the future because i want to see what he's got the um the jump up into the uh kind of rope hung tree of woe double stomp i think that that was one of the best versions of that i've ever seen there was a gif going around recently with um with loki doing it early on and and he would step on the person's knee while they're in the tree of woe to make them you know pull up forward into the crunch so that it made a little bit sense and and that kind of like having it make sense has been you know completely 
just like disappeared from wrestling. But the way he did it where Myron Reed is trying to get himself untied from the tree of woe and he jumps up so quick to the top rope and is so fast into the double stomp, it made it make sense. And I just I kind of appreciated that. So that's why I say Alex Price, there's something there. I, I'm definitely with you on saying that there's there's definitely a possibility of like you could see, okay, I'm going to check this guy out. I'm not going to watch every one of his matches. He's not at that level for me, but I am going to, if he's on a show that I'm like watching some stuff, I'm not going to skip his matches. And uh, if I hear about a particular matchup that makes sense, I'm going to go out of my way to check it out to see, and maybe check in with him in a couple months to see if he's improving. Yeah, um, good point. So yeah. yeah, yeah. Follow this up. Triple threat. Um, Charles Mason, who I kept thinking was Charlie Manson when I was looking at the, uh, the, the match lineup. <laughs> Ken Broadway and Kevin Blackwood. Um, Broadway is a guy who I've been high on, but I'm I'm kind of losing losing some luster on him now. I really am not a fan of his presentation. Um, I kind of get that like his gear is maybe meant to look like boxing trunks, but to me it just looks like boxer short underwear. Um, they need to just be a little bit longer, man. It looks like you're wearing your underwear out there. Um, and his big money gimmick, but looking like he's a low rank guy doesn't work. Ken Blackwood. Ken Blackwood reminds me of Kevin Koo from a couple years ago. Uh, probably Kevin Koo from like before Violence is Forever started. He's got a similar, obviously a similar look with the tattoos, but I think that his style is similar as well, the way he fights. Um, and in a multi-man match like this, um, it reminds me of the early early Kevin, or the early in my watching Kevin Koo when he, when he used to talk about how he was always be a star of multi-man matches. Um, he doesn't have that same aggression, though. He probably needs to, to look into what Kevin was doing back then and the stuff that I would talk about where Kevin would make himself stand out in a position like this um, by bringing a level of intensity and violence that uh, that other people weren't bringing and picking his spots. Um, but even, I mean, even down to the finish, he does the single leg crab into the STF and the violence and the, and the nature of it really did feel like a, a Kevin Koo-esque I could definitely see Kevin Blackwood trying to be like a, a new version of Kevin Koo. It's kind of interesting to to see something like that. It's kind of funny to see. Um, but uh, but yeah, Mason was, I felt like the afterthought of the match, but he was fine. Um, Broadway, like I said, is starting to disappoint. Blackwood, to me, is starting to build. So this was a weird kind of uh, triple thread of like people who are in various stages of development and where you're going from that. Uh, that said, I mean, there was some, there was definitely some interesting triple man spots in here. It wasn't like a lot of like everyone, like someone just disappears and takes a breather. So that was good. Um, felt like it was all action. I mean, it had to be because it was, they had very limited time, but uh, they packed a lot in here. But Pete, what did you think of this match? That was fun. Um, you know, it was three ways. If you, you get, I mean, the, the whole point of the three ways is for it to be go, 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 uh, and have some fun spots. And that's kind of what they did. Uh, I, I enjoyed the, the Broadway gimmick. I like the throwing of the money up. I, I enjoyed that. But yeah, I'm with you. The, you know, the pants short thingy looks a little awkward on him. Um, and then we have Mason doing kind of like a, uh, I don't want to say like a, a, a Prince of Wall Street gimmick. And, and at first I'm like, okay, cool. He has the suit and nice, and he has a nice slick back hair, so I can buy him uh, working on Wall Street. But then he has the arm tattoo, and that kind of like, yeah, that kind of takes away from that type of gimmick uh, for me anyway. Uh, but you know, whatever. Uh, there was this one spot where Mason like hesitated on a on a tease dive spot, and it looked kind of ugly. Uh, and uh, but I thought Blackwood strikes looked really good and. All, all over it was just an easy 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 fun match uh, with plenty of action and, and it kind of finished was kind of interesting too um that and uh, it made it made uh you know got the mason gimmick over and uh 
Broadway does a, does the favor and Blackwood gets the win, which they were kind of building up. So I thought it was I thought it was well. I thought the finish was well worked. Yeah, I'm with you, and I liked the finish, and and I even like the idea of what they're setting up. One thing. I, and I, you mentioned the post-match promos, and I thought that the post-match promo was mostly good. But one thing that I think that Mason and hey, you know, like this could just be me, and people, other people don't notice it or or think anything of it. But I do think that it's like should have thought about if you're going to do the Mason versus Blackwood feud based around the idea that Mason thinks that he's, you know, the real money maker, and Blackwood is just putting on airs. He saying like you have the smell of poverty on you. I just feel is a little bit too close to like race baity stuff that gotcha. I just, I would have, I would skip st- something like that. I think you can still do the angle. I'm not saying you can't do the angle, but I just think that anything that kind of talks about like specifically, like, I don't know how to put it, like his smell, like the smell that comes off of him makes you know that he's poor. I just think that that kind of stuff is taking it a little bit too far in 2021. I totally would not judge the same promo in other time, but I just think right now you can't get away with saying that kind of stuff. Fair enough. Uh, Follow this up with uh, Becca versus Ashley Vox. Um, Never seen Becca before. Ashley Vox, I've seen plenty of. I'm actually, uh, I think that she had a really good series last year with, um, oh, why can't I think of the alien's name? Uh, Chris Statlander. Um, And she comes in here and she doesn't have as uh, apt of an opponent, but she's definitely trying to make something of it. But what did you think of this one, Pete? You know, she's working Becca, and I thought Becca was a fun fun gimmick. Um, I thought the match was solid. Uh, some of the strikes I thought looked terrible in the match, though. Um, and there was this one corner powerbomb spot that looked oh, ugly. Yeah. Uh, it was a cool idea, I thought, but it just executed really bad. Um, and I liked the crunchy spot. I thought it was an interesting uh, uh, way to go into the finish because uh, it played into the gimmick. Again, yeah, the match was just, you know, kind of, you know, it, just, it was kind of hit and miss. Uh, had some moments, but then it kind of, I don't know, I just, they, I just didn't think they did the both guys and, I know it was, I feel actually he was definitely the more uh, was the better worker, obviously, and was Becca was trying, but she's just not quite there yet. And I just felt it fell apart a little bit. Yeah, up until this point, I think that they did a pretty good job and even including this match and really, I could say the whole show, they did a good job of not giving anything too much time. They didn't give any match longer than it it deserved based on who was in there and what they could do. So I have to give them, give them a heads up. But yeah, the, the, that powerbomb spot, I think it was intentional, but it just looked bad. I think that maybe the idea is supposed to be that as she swings her up, she's supposed to be hitting her head on the middle turnbuckle intentionally. Like it's part of the move, but it looks too much like an accident. I think that, yeah, it makes it a little bit odd. Um, and yeah, Vox, yeah, I, I thought Vox was, was good enough, here. I didn't think she was strong enough to do the lift is what I, the deadlift I thought. Was, yeah. Yeah. It was what it That's is. That's what yeah. it came out looking like, you know, instead of looking like an intentional thing, it looked like uh, an accident. Yeah. And then, yeah, the, the, the scrunchy spot was definitely unique. And I think that, um, definitely a good idea. Follow this up with, uh, the big beef match. Um, which actually I said that not even thinking about that. His name is big beef. I was referring to it as a big beef match, but it's big beef, Narls Garvin, um, which is what I always think of him. But at this point, he pretty much exclusively goes as big beef against Tyree Taylor. Um, this was an interesting one because I mean, they were showing like, they're trying to tell a story, I guess about like a self doubt in a Haas fight. I've never really seen like putting this much, uh, 
kind of psychology in a character in a Haas fight. Usually these kind of matches are just about two big guys beating the shit out of each other, but they were trying to go a little bit more layered and in-depth in the storytelling. And I think that they did a pretty good job on it. Um, like having Tyree act as if like uh, he was you know, questioning his ability to go up against Garvin here. I thought that Garvin looked like a big, like even when he would sell, he still never felt like he was too long on the back foot. Um, I love the way that the finish felt really, really um, like fluid and, and setting up a move like that, like a kind of a six, one, nine position, the guys laying on the middle rope can really feel contrived, but I think that they did a good job of getting into it naturally. Um, so yeah, I thought that this was a good big man match playing around with like kind of going back and forth with the high spots, uh, the big moonsault costing Tyree, I thought was a great way. It's, it's just a good way to do these kind of stories, especially in big man matches, um, kind of basically using like the high risk story, the high risk kind of format that you would expect from more of a smaller wrestler, but doing it with the big guys I thought was, uh, was done pretty well. I think that they, they actually pulled something off here that was unique in that, like I said, you don't really see, uh, you know this much of an in-depth psychology to a to a big man hoss fight and i thought that that was that was interesting what did you think pete i really like this this is actually my first time seeing taylor work but i've seen big beef i've seen him alive and i'm a big 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 yeah, tell you about big big, big, big <laughs> a real big beef fan um uh, i think guy has charisma you know i'm not a big fan of heels flipping off the crowd i think that's kind of cheap uh but, you know, whatever, uh, it's 2021, and so I, I think that's just a, na- a normal thing, but at least he was laying into being a heel. Uh, and this is a style that not a lot of people can do. The big, I mean, you got to be big and heavy and be able to work, and these guys both are able to do it well. And it's a style that you don't see what done well often, but every time you it does, they do it. It's, it's the style of the big, uh, heavy-hitting, uh, big, big, fat, uh, a big uh, Haas is going after each other. It gets over every single time. And up to this point, I think it was the match that got the most, got the most reaction out of the crowd. Um, I like the early jawing from both guys making it, you know, it's like the, who's, who's the biggest badass on the, on the, on the block type of thing. Uh, the forearm exchange, you know, that's a trope in wrestling right now, but you know, it really worked here. And it was because you had two big guys doing it. It just, it's just different than watching two five foot seven guys exchanging forearms, and which happens so often. And but here, when you when you when you have the size to back it up, and I'm not saying just because you have size that makes you better at it. It's just because you buy you can buy two big guys just doing it a lot better than say uh, the smaller version of people doing it. Um, the uh, the um, what's the year? Yeah, you know, and so, you know, this match gets over because the style is such a lost art in wrestling, actually. And I love Beef's facial on the capo kick. Kick was tremendous with the big eyeball uh, rolling uh, thing that really helps sell sell it. I thought the match might have gone a minute or two too long. But damn, this thing was just a lot, a lot of fun. And uh, and you're right on about some of the layered of psychology in there about the self-doubt with Taylor and it. Was but still, man, this was just a ton, ton, ton of fun. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And Beef is a guy that I don't, I, he's been on, I think, our radar for a long time already, and he's just a guy that I don't get why more places aren't using him and pushing him because yeah. he's definitely got a unique style and he gets over. You talked about yep. it, but this style is real basic and and it can be considered super simple, but it gets over and it, and it definitely works. Um, 
follow this up. We got Rob Killjoy, unfortunately, the solo singular duck here, which is definitely a bummer with the stuff that's going on with Lance Lude um, right now. Uh, I know that there's some, there's definitely some places to uh, to to donate some money to his kind of treatment and everything. And I think that you know, if you can, you should. Um, and you've got you know all the stuff that's happened with Carino. Obviously, he's just not around. So we got Rob Killjoy still bringing the coach. Mikey's not even here. You know, it's just Rob, the singular duckling, going up against Rip Bison. Uh, but yeah, Pete, what did you think of this one? I you know uh, it's weird. I, this uh, Rip Bison kind of reminds me. He kind of has like that Fit Finley uh, in WCW gimmick going with the shoulder thing, and then he has like a like a cross with oh uh, Rip Morgan from the '80s going and. Uh, I, uh, he has a, uh, a charisma about him. That's uh, just weird. Uh, but so, and so does Killjoy. I thought this, uh, but, it was, but he has a different type of, both of them, but it's totally different type of uh, charisma. Uh, I thought it was a good, solid match. Uh, but it is, but it's so weird. Like I was saying how it were like a lot of the forearms and some of the heavy stuff works because it's big beef and, and Taylor doing it. Seeing Bison work some of these big spots when he's like five foot nine inch looking, uh, it just it just it, it just didn't work for me here. Uh, I would have liked to see Killjoy work a little bit more underneath and take an ass whipping and do more of a natural sell than what kind of what they were doing, which was more of a little bit a little too much back and forth, my taste. But uh, overall, but it's still an okay match. It, uh, but I thought I, I was honestly expecting more. Yeah, Bison coming out and he's swinging the leather around like you know Hanson or, or Brody or something, and it just it's the crowd. There's just there is no crowd which already kind of hurts that look but then the crowd just is indifferent to it really hurts it like you're talking about he feels kind of like that that throwback to to older characters and style and that's clearly what he's going for but the reason why that stuff worked is because you got everybody around selling it and you got everybody else making it look larger than life when you when you're doing it and you're just getting none of that same reaction and none of that same kind of that appearance from everyone around you it it just completely makes it look like all you're doing is a parody knockoff version of of it and and you're right about the size not being there and 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 you mentioned finley and i was thinking john schuyler as well kind of that you know the 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 smaller kind of stouter kind of look and and you can play off the mini hoss kind of thing and you can make it work in a promotion where you have actual hosses right before this where you could have him kind of run through smaller guys and then get stopped and beat by the actual big guys but I mean, I don't need to see Rob Killjoy kicking out of burning hammers. You know what I mean? Like, that kind yeah. of stuff drives me crazy. Um, yeah. It used to drive people fucking crazy when Elgin would do it. It's like, imagine this guy at the, like, rip, like, you know what I mean? This is so much lower than the level of, like, Mike Elgin doing burning hammers in IWA Mid-South or whatever. Like, yeah. at least at least Elgin was a little bit bigger, <laughs> a little bit right. more believable. Uh, you know, so it's just, I hate to say it, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you, though, in, or I, I, I heard you mention i don't know if you even think this but like rip bison there there's some there's some charisma there he's definitely a performer he's into the character and like i think he could make something work but i don't know if this is it um so following uh, following an actual hoss battle and then trying to do hoss spots it was just uh, just was really on it just didn't work for me either because i maybe could have been maybe it might have worked better if it was if they had it on before this big hoss battle it might have worked better Sure. And Killjoy, I mean, Killjoy's not a small guy, but he wrestles small. Yeah. So I think it hurts. Like, I, I mentioned Lance Lude, who unfortunately, you know, obviously with the health issues. But, like, you imagine Lance Lude in here pinballing around for Rip Bison. I think you could make him look believable as a hoss with a smaller yeah. guy like that. But 
Killjoy bounces around and tries to pinball, but he's like he looks like what like he's maybe fifty pounds lighter than the other the guy he's yeah, wrestling. Like he doesn't look height. yeah yeah. So he doesn't really it doesn't really help make him look any more impressive because it really I hate to say it, but it just kind of makes stuff look a little bit fake. <laughs> you know, it just yeah. look like oh this this guy's playing big man, this guy's playing small man, but they're actually about the same fucking size. So cool, I I can buy and it's it's true. I mean, whatever. I'm not one of these people who's like, you can't do intergender, or you can't do this, you can't do that, because it's wrestling and you're making everything look fake and all this and that. But I can't also, I can't make myself not see reality, no matter how much you want to. Like, that's why, you know, Chikara stuff, I think, doesn't work for me, doesn't work for you also sometimes, because it is like, I I don't watch wrestling to pretend that I'm in a fantasy world. I think that yeah. some people do. That's not what I watch wrestling for. I watch wrestling for simulated combat. Yeah, of an like actual I, sport. I despise a mem wrestling or meme wrestling. I'm sorry, meme wrestling. It's yeah. like my least favorite yes. thing in the in the in, in wrestling is meme wrestling. Yeah, exactly. I watch wrestling for simulated combat sports. I don't watch wrestling for to like you know have an escape from reality. Some people do. That's fine. Yeah, that's what you're into. That's what you're into. That's exactly. fine. But I do think that even the people who are into it for the meme wrestling for the escape, they also. I hate to say this because I'm not like trying to judge people, but I don't think that they deeply invest in it the same way that someone who can actually buy into what they're seeing does. Yeah, I think that they put on the the performance of it and they go like, "Oh, yay! I'm having so much fun." But at the end of the day, when they go home, they they didn't really buy into or believe in it. It's that old school wrestling thing, right? It's yeah. it's I can't remember who says this constantly, but it's like, "Oh, all this stuff is fake." But when the main event starts, when Johnny Valentine goes out there, that's real. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like that. That's actually the rest of it. Like, that's the kind of wrestling that I think draws money. That's the kind of wrestling that people get drawn into and actually believe is when they can totally believe that the rest of the, the rest of the show was fake. But the main event guy, the top guy, they're like, yeah, I think that he's real. And I remember believing that when I was younger, yeah. I remember literally being like, oh, I know that wrestling's fake. But, you know, Bret Hart, I would be like, but I think that Bret Hart doesn't just like lose. Yeah, I think that he makes sure that he wins for real. You know what I mean? And that was because oh, yeah, I actually man. bought into him. You know? Yeah, like I remember. Yeah, oh, yeah. like oh, there's no way that strap, that strap match, that had to be real. That had to hurt. You know, it's yeah. just yeah, exactly. Uh, follow this up, Davian versus uh, Ava Everett. Um, Ava is someone who I, I honestly, I hate to say that I despised her when she was doing the Ava Taker, the all that Ava Everett goofy uh, it, meme wrestling to to say, and. Davianne is someone who I have, I didn't, I was not a huge fan of hers early on, but she's really grown as I've been watching, because I have been watching the Limitless kind of Road 2 shows and okay. seeing more of her singles stuff, and she has really grown into this bruiser, brawler role, and this match, I mean, with Ava coming out, jumping before the bell, Ava showing fire and intensity, Ava never doing anything goofy or silly, this was a... This, this felt like a fight. This felt like a real brawl. There was nothing in here that was super pretty. There was nothing in here that felt choreographed. There was stuff that looked very sloppy and looked like maybe some people who aren't necessarily like pure natural athletes and definitely not the best execution across the board. But there was meanness. There was aggressiveness. And I think that if this was even your first time seeing both of them, I think you got the story from this. I think that you understand what's going on here just from the in-ring. You didn't really need anything else. And uh, I think you come out of it excited to see return match. I think you think, okay, you know, the, the Ava gets the win here, but 
but I I don't think that like she's the better wrestler. I I don't think that like she could beat Davian every time. And you want to see Davian possibly get like revenge or whatever it is because yeah, she jumped her before. She was taking cheap tactics the entire time. You can see Davian maybe wasn't as serious as she should have been, expecting that. Like I said, Ava was kind of goofy before, and now she's serious. So you're, you know, okay, now I got to take her seriously. So I thought that they, they executed what they're, the storytelling that they were going for here really well. As I said, not the best match, not the most technical match. This isn't making my fucking match of the year contender list, but I think that two, two wrestlers who are at a certain level executing and, and giving you like kind of the best of what they can do. Uh, but Pete, what did you think? Yeah, I totally agree with you. Uh, you got the idea. Uh, even if, like, I'm a guy who I haven't watched Limitless. I'm, Actually, I mean, I'm, to be blunt, I pretty much turned away from indie wrestling for almost for the whole year uh, until recently because of uh, not having crowds. I mean, because to me, when you don't have the crowds, it, it just defeats the purpose. Not like indie drew a lot of indie sh- draw a shit ton of crowds anyway. But uh, so, but I understood what their story was by the vignette they did, a little promo uh, thing they did beforehand. And I will say, the match uh, where it was worth. Actually, you could argue, make the argument it would work perfectly to the, with the story, with the story they were these people were telling beforehand, and so the mat, so the match got across their hatred of each other. I enjoyed it. Um, I, I like I like Ava Everett's character, uh, but I didn't buy her as a wrestler. I mean, maybe because she's so skinny, and uh, it's just it's, I just couldn't buy her as a wrestler. Maybe maybe she can put on a little bit of weight, uh, maybe muscle up a little bit. I don't know. Uh, it just she just looks someone more. She doesn't, doesn't look like a wrestler, and I hate to say that, but I enjoyed both girls' performance in this. Uh, it, it was if you you know a lot of they did stuff that a lot of people don't understand is yeah if you're they were working pretty much a blood feud and what we got was a blood feud type of match and and it's something they could lead into doing no DQs or fall count anywhere um, and you'd buy it in a, in, a, in almost in a in a in a in a key in a position where they. Their stock both went up here, as in you could move this feud higher up on a card, and you'd you'd, you'd buy it type of thing, uh, because of what of how they worked the match here. Yeah, and was it was it fluid and beautiful? No, but it was what it needed to be. It needed to be kind of sloppy and come across as dangerous and 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 all over the place and chaotic, and that's exactly what they gave us. And so, props to them. I really really liked it. Yeah, definitely, definitely a. Uh... Definitely a match that uh, worked to the storyline. And this is the opener. This is the opener of the feud, just like you said. Like, yeah. That's something that's missing a lot in wrestling is like actually like uh, the first match being something like this. It's quick. It, it just helps build the story. And then you actually build to the gimmick matches and you build yeah. to the to the payoff on that. And so, yeah, it's like this is this is the opener. This gets this draws you in. It's really quick. It's fiery. It's it's brutal. And it's like, OK, now I want to see where they go from here. So great yeah. job. When it comes to putting together a feud, I'm with you, Ava. Like, I, she's very skinny, and she doesn't look necessarily like an athlete. So I don't think it's wrong for you to to say that. But yeah, like her at least bringing some intensity and some fire and some seriousness was, like I said, a step up from what she was doing before. Because it's just it made, like, yeah, it made up for that. I mean, I hate, I hate, I'm not trying to body shame her because that's not at all what I'm doing. It's uh, no, it's, no. Uh, it's just I just don't think. She, I mean. I, like for me, I'm never going to be a swimsuit model. My body isn't that type, and uh, and uh, her body just doesn't look like a wrestler. But but God, she she her she, her psychology here in this match, uh, it was there. So I mean, her mind is there. 
And uh, yeah, I'd rather and, have and that. I'd rather have that than somebody with the right body sneaking up the joint. So yeah, exactly. Uh, we we won't talk about Will Osprey tonight, but uh, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> um, let's uh, we'll go in from there. There's a three way tag team match. Um, I can't imagine. I mean, it was not. This was not bad for what it was, and I think that some people stood out. But I can't imagine that you you loved this, Pete. What did you think of this three way yeah. tag team match? I yeah. hate three way tags to begin with. Because yes. I think it defeats the whole psychology of a tag match. Um, but it, it was what it needed to be in this position, which, because you know, Garcia and Casanova, you're going to follow that with a technical match, and that's what they gave us in the main. They're following up against a big hate feud thing, and let's the, you know, you, you, you don't want your crowd to die. And so that's what they give it. They gave us here, which is big spots and big moves and, uh, and all action for the most part with a little bit of, little bit of selling. But yeah. I mean, it was fun, but yeah, but I mean, I, I, 20 minutes later, I don't remember anything about it. Just, I just know there was big, there wasn't anything like, there was a lot of big moves, but nothing like so off the chart that you're going to remember it in a week, you know? Definitely. I, I think that they did a pretty good job presenting the teams, except for, I guess, the kids team, whenever CJ Cruz and, and Ricky Archer didn't, didn't have that much of a personality or dynamic to me, but they were there. Um, but uh, and I get the kid's name because that was a, a neat thing that they were doing throughout the show. This is the first time bringing it up. But after every match, they were posting up a QR code um, with all, all the wrestlers in the match and offering you a chance to support them in some way. There was they were calling it like a digital yeah. merch table. I thought that that was pretty neat. I thought that, that was a good way to go. Um, obviously, Limitless has been doing some good stuff. The I think the the owner promoter of Limitless just posted something on Twitter recently where he put up like a a bunch of high resolution video files from their shows and stuff so that people can gif and put together like uh, YouTube videos and do all. So Limitless obviously is very supportive of the crowd. They understand the nature of independent wrestling right now in America, and they get what they're producing and they're doing a really good job of like of that. And yeah, like letting the crowd support the the wrestlers that way is great i think that that's the best way to do it stuff like stuff like gcw running these fucking live streams where they say like oh we're supporting all of indie wrestling give us money for putting on a youtube show and nothing is transparent and the stuff that is maybe out there on on kind of the dms is sounds really fucking bad for them is like just oh my god you know it's it's that fucking just you guys are just doing this completely wrong and you're just really wrong-headed and shitty. And then meanwhile, you've got Limitless who's who's actually here and they're like, hey, check out, you know, support these guys. you got a digital merch table because you have to watch from home. And that's really fucking cool. Um, yeah. So that's where the kid's name comes from. The Main Street Posse in the match come across. They're, they're the fan favorites. They're the crazy guys. you got Danger Kid, Aiden Agro. They're all over the place. High spots, really slick tag team stuff. But then you've got, like, but they come across like they're the salt of the earth. They're the, you know, they're the working man, every man kind of guy they represent for their state. That's why, the, the, you know, the main state posse, Limitless runs in Maine. They're the hometown heroes. They're scrappy. You know, they're not the most polished, but when they come together, they're, they're you know, they stand out. And you got the competition. The competition look like, okay, they are polished. They've got the big bucks. They're giving you that, you know, high class presentation. They're like worked out in the lab you know what i mean so it's perfect they're the the fucking heels because they think they're better than you they're all polished they put together stuff i really like i did like i don't know the names but the the bald guy seemed a little bit more like reckless and crazy and and aggressive and the other guy was the was a lot more um 
like kind of slick and and polished and poised. So you've got that dynamic as well within the team. So you've kind of got the crazy guy and you've got the the even more completely polished guy uh, in the like team that's giving the presentation of the upper class and uh, upper crust upper crust like outsiders who've come in here just to like win titles and win matches and they don't have that we built ourselves from the bottom like the main state posse has so i really like that dynamic and i did like that coming out of the three-way they're like they're building to that they're saying the competition we won this match but you know what we want we want the singles match we want to face you guys one-on-one you know two-on-two in a regular tag team match as you said because the three-way completely fucking throws out the window the idea that this is even a tag team match so they want to have just the straight up two on two and prove who's the better team. So I thought that that was pretty good uh, coming out of it. Just you've, you've really set up a almost like a, it feels like, you know, monster of the week, baby face challenge or setup where it's like the underdog, you know, baby face, salt of the earth mainstays, local heroes uh, going up against the, the challengers who are outsiders who've come in to challenge them. So I thought that that was done really well. Then looking at this three way as a setup match for building, I think that it was done well, but like you said, the match itself, you don't get a ton, but that was not the point. This match was kind of, I won't say a filler match, but it was a cool down match between the drama of the brawl and then going into the main event, which is, I mean, if you believe in the old school concept of wrestling where the championship and the main event should be the best wrestlers in the company, and you believe that like that you should always see the main event as being yeah like the the best work the people who stand out the highest caliber this is it like limitless did a great job here the main event feels these are the two best wrestlers in the company these are possibly the two best wrestlers in the world got they're the coming most, in here got to the best time most time yeah most time most important most drama like if you believe in that style of booking, <laughs> then Limitless did a great job here. And in some ways, they kind of lucked into it because you're coming into this match. And I don't know if you know any of the background of what's going on here, Pete, but you're coming into this match and Christian Casanova has been announced as signing with WWE. He's right. going to NXT. He's the champion. And he wants to keep the title and, and leave this company as a winner and as the champion. Daniel Garcia, there's been teases. He's wrestled on AEW Dark. He's wrestled on NXT. There's stuff going around where people believe that he's leaving as well. So you've got two guys who are ready to leave and you get this match and you get the post-match kind of announcement. You get the Sports Illustrated article on their website coming out. You've got the tweets from Garcia coming out of it. So there's definitely some cool stuff here. But let's talk about the wrestling. And Pete, I don't know if you mind, but I'd like to hear your opinion on this before I even talk about it. What did you think of this match? I thought you hit it real on the head. They made it seem special. They made it uh, really, really important. They made the limitless title. Even though I hate the term world title uh, on indie wrestling, I think it's that's kind of you know because it's really not. It's a, it's a local t- title, but I, it's a regional I, title, I, yeah. Yeah, but I regress. Uh, they made it seem like it was like the most entire, most important uh, title in this company, and this match is the most important, biggest match they could have. I thought I think Casanova has a and like we talked about they got the most time so it's they had all the uh, all the opportunities and they had a really strong match. Um, Casanova has a great great look. He, he looks like a guy going to the WWE and going to NXT. He yes. looks has that cross trainer abs and muscles and no like zero percent body fat. Uh, looks like an athlete. Looks like a he can go. Um, I thought the early uh, 
Danny Garcia, I love the Red Death moniker. That's a money gun moniker for a for a guy working on top. Um, early arm work, I thought was really crisp from both guys. Uh, have you have you seen Garcia work live before? I have not seen him live, which is definitely a bummer to me. I really okay. want to. The one thing I'm gonna say he needs to work on, and you could you kind of it doesn't come across. It came live. You can you'll see it. But on tape, you, you might see blips of it. It doesn't come across overly bad. But his strikes are a little soft when he's throwing a, when throwing a forearm. He needs to tighten that up. But by God, he's a good grappler. And he, he knows how to tell a story. And he's athletic. Uh, and But not an athletic in doing, like, you know, through four, you know, 720s and stuff. But athletic in, like, a, like a, how a real athlete would do stuff. Uh, he, he, Garcia comes across as the real deal. Uh I loved Garcia pushing the ref into the rope spot. Real smart. I like him coming across as being uh, uh, being smart in the ring and, and, and doing what he needed to do. I didn't like Casanova taking a superplex and then doing a counter uh, right out of it. I thought, come on, a superplex, you need to sell a little bit more than being able to counter right after you take a superplex. I, that kind of got me uh, off. Uh, and I also say... I, I can see people loving this finish, and I, I liked it. But this type of finish is becoming a, a, a norm on a lot of a lot of a lot of sh- a lot of matches where you got to hit a big move and then you clank on a, on a, a finisher, or you hit a big move and then you hit your another big move to get the one two three. We're getting that where a finisher just isn't a, a finisher isn't good enough. You got to hit multiple finishers to finish a guy off. Uh, I mean, that, maybe that's the evolution of wrestling. I know it's a big MMA type of thing. Uh, not even an MMA type of thing, but you'll hit them, you'll sucker punch them, and then, well, you ground a pound, or you sucker punch. Uh, yeah. You're not sucker punch, but you knock them down, and you, whatever. But, God, this was really good. It was really detailed. It had a lot of nice little touches. Uh, I liked all the grappling in there, and everything was crisp and looked good. Uh, I thought maybe the match might have gone a tad a little long, but man, it I, I really liked it though. I thought both guys uh, brought it, and uh, Garcia is a stud, and uh, Casanova is just a, is a freak. Yeah, I'm 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 with you on everything in the work, and I think that this match, and this is again, I don't want to talk shit about Garcia because I'm with you in thinking that he's great. Um, I think that this match, unfortunately feels a little bit there's some stuff in here where i think that garcia is is trying to think a little bit too hard and he's honestly outthinking himself the stuff about like the stuff where he's talking to himself the stuff where he's pantomiming the motions and then oh the kick out like that stuff is just a little bit too far he's just going a little bit too far with that like i just i find that to be a little bit too cute like i i hate to even say this because i was there was moments where i was questioning it and i was like is daniel garcia's like character supposed to be that he's like an on the spectrum wrestler. You know what I mean? Because it was just like over the top. Like, I'm just like, yeah. dude, you can't, you can't do this. Like I, I, I get it. And I think the commentary did a good job of trying to tell the story and, and the stuff where, where he was telling himself to calm down and the stuff where he was like, don't go over the top. That was honestly fine to me. But the stuff where he was like talking to himself, the stuff where he's pantomiming his thought process and going through it was just a little bit over the top. But yeah, that said, I think that, Daniel Garcia, the presentation, the Red Death, like you talked about, the name is great. The the work that he does is is tight. It's snappy. I haven't seen him live, so I don't know. Like you're saying, the, the strikes can be weak, and I would not doubt that. Um, and honestly, in some ways, I respect it. I do, because I 
I have grown over the years and I respect, you know, light workers and, and I respect, you know, people who can work you into thinking that like they're stiffing people when they're not right. and all that stuff. But I, I definitely respect like a worker who can be super light, but you got to make it look good. That's the perfect thing of work. You, you want it to be light, but don't want it to look light. I just think sometimes the strikes exactly. look a little light at times. Yeah. So you just got to tighten it up so it looks a little bit better or skip the stuff that doesn't look so good. If, yeah. you're, if you can't do it right, don't do it. You know, yeah, that's, that's basically it. would have been a hell of a better wrestler if he didn't do, do strikes and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Just skip them. If they don't work for you, don't do them. It's fine. Drop kicks. You know, Lance Storm had a, a hell of a drop yeah. kick. You know, whatever. Just, just throw that. That can be your, your only strike. You don't need yep. strike. It's fucking wrestling, right? Strikes yeah. should be illegal anyways. The point is wrestling. Um, But yeah, so like, so that stuff, like, whatever and uh, wh- but one thing like this is another side of the same kind of another side of the same coin when it talks to like garcia's mental acumen and his wrestling like garcia seems like a guy who every now and then i get a glimpse of him and i'm like he's actually probably pretty small but when he's yeah. wrestling it doesn't come across when right. he's wrestling right. i think that he's big and impressive and and can kick ass and all that stuff but i'm like okay he's probably pretty slim pretty small but he wrestles big and he wrestles believable and he wrestles like a guy that you buy into it's kind of the same thing like you know this is a weird compare or not a weird comparison but this is big shoes to fill right it's like the daniel bryan thing like to me for the longest time in the indies i never thought of daniel bryan as a small guy it wasn't until he got into wwe and all they did was talk about how small he was that you ever thought about how small he was garcia is the same thing like i don't think about him as a small i think about daniel garcia as a big fucking dude like a big scary aggressive wrestler and he's probably pretty small um, so yeah, now I'll talk about Casanova. <laughs> I have been talked up a bunch about Casanova for years from wrestling opinions, wrestling opinion, I'll say particularly one that I respect and I just never really saw it here. I think that, that Casanova, I, I still don't hundred percent see it. I think that there's some stuff that he does that I don't buy into. I think that his selling is not great. Yep. Um, and I think that was honestly his weakest part of his game. Stuff like you talked about, no selling the superplex, um, the chops. When he was doing the double karate chops to the knees, that shit looked so fucking fake and yeah. so bad. And I hate that Garcia sold it because that was goofy. That stuff can be pretty rough. But Casanova's offense, he's got a lot of great offense. But like he's about to go to WWE, and there was a point in here where they're both laying on the mat, and he's kind of just kicking Garcia away with like a little sidekick, and he slapped his leg. And yeah. WWE, the hot thing now is you're not allowed to slap your leg. Yeah. And this dude is slapping his leg for like a little goofy nothing kick on the mat. So I found that to be like, oh no, like this guy needs to. There's some there's some major holes in Casanova's game. Oh, for sure. But like you said, when it comes to looks, when it comes to on paper, you look at this guy, he's in great shape, his offense looks amazing, he's athletic, all that stuff is there. So if the nuances and the little stuff that I feel like has been missing for the entire time gets like shorn up and they actually put some effort into making him kind of be an all-arounded guy, I think you've got potential there. Yeah. But nine times out of ten, if I'm picking which one of these guys am I picking, which one of these guys am I saying I want to do something with, I'm picking Garcia. Because like I said... The weaknesses in Garcia's game, the weaknesses with Garcia, are things that I think that he can easily overcome with his brain and with the way that he wrestles and with his focus and his drive. The weaknesses in Casanova's game, I kind of see as being like, 
you have to take a lot you're, it's going to take a lot of work to get him to unlearn some of this stuff because it's not there in his brain like it's 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 weaknesses that come from he looks at wrestling in a different way and maybe you can teach him and maybe you can train him to do it but i think it's going to be tough to get him to change the way that he wants to wrestle and the way that he thinks about wrestling you know um but that said, I mean, like I like I mentioned, you come out of this match and Garcia. There's a Sports Illustrated article talking about Garcia winning this title and what he what he wants to do. You know, it's an article on the website. Garcia tweets out like I've I know that my there's going to be opportunities there for me in the future, but right now I want to be I want to become the greatest wrestler, the greatest independent wrestler in the world, and like that's really cool. People have talked that way. People have said these kind of things. I mean, obviously everyone talks about Walter. Walter saying that he's not interested in in going to dream match factories and then he shows up in PWG. Walter talks about not wanting to ever go to WWE and then he signs. So we'll see what happens there, but if there's anybody right now on the independent wrestling scene who can work, I already made the comparison to Daniel Bryan, right? If there's anybody right now on the independent wrestling scene who can become the greatest independent wrestler in the world, Daniel Garcia is on that track. I mean, he is really fucking good. He's showing it repeatedly. You've got Lee Moriarty. The match that him and Lee had with each other was phenomenal. It's like, that's, I mean, those are the guys right now. Like, if you want to talk about the breakout independent wrestling stars, Daniel Garcia, Lee Moriarty, these are the guys who can put something together. And if Daniel is out here openly saying that that's what he's trying to do, that's what he wants to be, I don't I don't know if it's not possible for him. I think that Daniel Garcia can become the best independent wrestler in the world if he if that's what he really wants to be. So that's pretty exciting because up until this point, like you said, you've been pretty checked out, but this past year has been fucking demoralizing for an independent wrestling fan to just see that it feels like all of independent wrestling is just completely gobbled up and turned into this joke. I don't know if you've seen much NXT recently, but like I, Trevor I, Lee. I can't watch any uh, wrestling with no crowds. I can't, I can't do it, man. Even yeah, with- I can't blame you. Even with fans, even if the wrestlers are in the crowd, I think that's even worse. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's better than than, than the damn uh, uh, the stupid you know, the the whatever they call it uh, the mm-hmm. the Thunderdome or whatever the yeah. fuck that is. Good lord, that is a nightmare. But yeah, like like the to see something like Trevor Lee because this hit me recently listening to to Quentin and Brock talking about the top 100 matches of the 2010s, like just how good Trevor Lee was. Yeah in cwf and to see what he's doing in nxt now it really is demoralizing it really feels like independent wrestling wrestling as a sport like wrestling as something that i take seriously in america is dead it just feels like it's dying but yeah there is possibly around man i mean like you know i you know we both think of the world of of, of dan mccabe and uh i mean he barely wrestled this year (laughs) You know, yeah, exactly. uh, some of the best guys barely wrestled this year. It's just, it's a, uh, it's just, it's just rough. I mean, yeah, yeah, I checked out a lot, and then I mean, and then NXT is just trying to gobble up all this, all this talent, and, and just sitting on it where you're not even going to see them. Uh, they're sitting on so much indie talent uh, there. Uh, it's almost like their uh, their archives. You're more likely to. Yeah see a freaking Buzz Sawyer match on, on the network or on Peacock now than you are about seeing uh, whoever uh, they have. So whoever you name, name a new person they've signed that you're probably not going to see in a while, you know? Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. And hey, you know, like death breeds life. Life becomes death. Like it's the circle, right? And and if, if indie wrestling is dead, 
wouldn't it be apropos that the future and the new life of of indie wrestling comes from Red Death? Like yeah. <laughs> the the new the new life of indie wrestling grows from the Red Death, man. I mean, honestly, it it fucking sucks, but it does. This match did to me coming out of it and the buzz and, and all the stuff that was talked about afterwards does at least give me some promise that maybe we can come back. Maybe there are some people out there who the only thing that they care about isn't just getting signed to WWE, getting signed to AEW, but they actually care about like professional wrestling. And yeah, hopefully, content, hopefully that's possible. Know, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're kind exactly. of like the Eddie Gilbert of uh, of wrestling. Eddie Gilbert would, would always always better at us in a small pond than whenever he went to the big pond and stuff. And yeah, no, totally. Because he, to, he got to create, a, you know, got to control his own narrative. But uh, but yeah, somewhere in there while we were reviewing, I was like, God damn it, this show is just gonna blow by and we're not gonna have anything. But uh, we did end up making it to an hour, Pete. So I was gonna say if there was anything else you wanted to talk about before we go out, so we could pad some time. But we've talked about plenty. But still, if there's anything you're interested in in talking about that you've seen recently or in general that you want to bring up or anything before we go, feel free. Yeah, I will. I've been I've been I've been vaccinated uh, since January, so I've actually gone out to some live shows. Uh, in the last few months, and uh, I've been going to this Martinez Entertainment, which is a lucha promotion in Dallas, Fort Worth. And I, I one thing I will say, you know, lucha is not for everyone. Stylistically, it's, it's different. I can and I, I can totally understand people not getting into lucha, but one thing they do well, and I really wish more people would go and work in Mexico or work in these lucha promotions, um, is you learn how to work to the crowd, and which is something. It's becoming a lost art because everything is so overly scripted that everything you kind of almost ignore that you're like you almost ign- almost forget that you're the whole point is you're wrestling in front of a crowd and your purpose of wrestling is to connect to that crowd. But man, watching Lucha live, man, these guys know how to work to a crowd, know how to how to work, how to get in, get either piss you off or get you excited or or what. And I really wish more people. Uh, one would have the opportunity to watch live uh, lucha. I mean, Martinez Entertainment brings in great. I mean, brings in legends of Mexico. I'm going one next week, and I mean, Dr. Wagner Jr. is headlining it. I mean, he's, he's a, you know Hall of Famer. I mean, I got to see Santo work live a, a, a month or two ago. Uh, I've, I've seen Blue Demon Jr. I've seen Ultimo Guerrero, uh, Rado Kid, uh, Torus. Uh, so I'm going to see guy Psycho Clown. Who's, who's going to be a, a probably going to make an Observer Hall of Fame run soon? Um, these are guys, all guys who, who know how to work on top and worked in top on, in Mexico for years. And you, when you get to go see these guys and watch other people, even like the under undercard guys like Arez, a uh, great worker who uh, you just see how it connects to a crowd. It's just something you just wish as uh, a skill set that some of the U.S. guys would um, uh, uh, adopt because it's. It's an important aspect of wrestling that's uh, quickly getting lost, and I really wish more people would would look at how to connect to the crowd and not just worry about their just what's going on at them, just just not be focusing on the meat and potatoes of their match, but why they're wrestling in front of a crowd is again to connect to the crowd, and they kind of forget that aspect sometimes. Well, it's great to have you on and, and mention that because that is something that has come up for me recently, as we were talking about on on the podcast, like pandemic and then also a lot of other issues going on in wrestling that are not pandemic related but but just very shitty in general is that it it crossed my mind and i mentioned it recently like 
when we used to do this week in wrestling, one of the main things that me and you both constantly like praised and and were kind of evangelists for was live wrestling and how yes. important it is to go to the live shows. It makes a fucking difference. Like live biased people shit on the concept of live biased and when you're talking about reviewing things objectively and they talk about live bias oh it's so bad but it's like live bias is a thing and it's real because wrestling is better live that's just yeah. it's just 100% true everything about wrestling is better when you're in the building and and it is becoming a lost art because so many people want to do the you know objective star rating and and it's fucking sucks because so many people wrestle to the, the opinion of Dave Meltzer at this point, yeah, exactly. um, and that's why there's so many that's why there's so many great matches now you know in quotation marks the matches are just so much better now than they ever were before and it's just like god damn it's t- it's it's honestly a lot of it is really terrible because they're. They're working to no crowd, and and this past year of there literally being no crowds in the audience, it's like perfect. It's the perfect fucking storm to yeah. see why this stuff is so hollow and why it doesn't work. Because when you finally see it with no crowd there and no sound, you go like, oh my god, this is fucking terrible. <laughs> and you're yeah. like, I need there to be a crowd there. I need to see the fans react. I need to hear that someone's into it. Because sitting on my couch i'm just like watching these people go through the motions I, i'm sorry but i don't think me and you watch competitive gymnastics right like that's nope. not something that we care about you know because exactly. that's not what i'm looking for yeah if i cared about just people going through the motions and doing routines i'd watch gymnastics because gymnastics like those athletes are much better than wrestlers <laughs> like they yeah. they are they're better at doing flips and stuff wrestlers don't do that shit as good as gymna- gymnasts do so don't pretend like they do. Like it's just yeah, it's yeah. I'm afraid to say it. Ricochet as 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 Mary Lou Redden is much better athlete than Ricochet. I hate to say it, people. Yeah, yeah. That's not the point of wrestling. The point, you know, I saw someone actually say that today. They were like saying like I wish that Ricochet had gotten into gymnastics. And I and I get it because yeah, he does have like a natural yeah. talent that if he had actually trained for it, he would probably would have been really good. Yep. But he didn't. And so he's fine at what he does. But yeah, the real gymnasts actually fucking murk these guys. And that's not the point. We're not watching wrestling for that. I'm watching wrestling for the drama. I'm watching wrestling for the storytelling. Yep. I'm watching wrestling to see Tony Deppen spit on a fucking legend and make a baby cry. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, that's, exactly. what, that's what you're watching wrestling for. You know? Yeah. It's, uh, it's definitely once we get out of this and once more places are safe. I definitely want to encourage people to to go to more live wrestling. I was questioning it, and there's some issues. But also, like, you know, arm's length. You don't need to go to every bar and after party. You know, I think me and you both would were the type who go to a wrestling show, and as soon as it's over, we leave. We're yeah. not trying to hang out with the wrestlers and talk and chat and go to happy hour with every wrestler. You know what I mean? Like, that's not yep. necessarily my vibe. I'm not going to either. watch the wrestling show. Yeah, and then once I'm done, I'm done. I'm not there. So maybe, you know, maybe that's uh maybe that arm's length needs to come back to wrestling and maybe go to the show, enjoy the show and then go home. Or it, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here kind of thing, you know? Just yeah. don't try to hang out with the wrestlers cuz they're not your friends. They are entertainment. Yep. Well, all right, Pete, um I guess people want to check out Gideon guys. You were a guest on there. Otherwise not much going on and they can follow you on Twitter, which you're definitely worth a follow. If people want to hear some, some worthwhile opinions at it's Titans. O wrestling, right? Something like that. Yeah. I think it still is, but Titans, yeah, definitely uh, check that. Titans at Something like that. Yeah. That's how yeah. I was getting disengaged. I've been on stuff. So 
Hey, that's fine. Um, well, anything else before we go? No, I thought the limits did a good. They did a good show. I liked how they laid it out for the most part. Uh, I, I would have fought, maybe flip flopped a couple matches, but overall, I, I really enjoyed it. And I thought, uh, for me, my favorite match though was the Big Beef match, honestly. Uh, with, uh, yeah. But I loved. I really liked Garcia Casanova, but I just didn't think it could have possibly could have lived up to the build it was getting and how no. the stakes. They made the stakes seem so important, but I still enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong. Uh, and overall, I thought the show was overall. Uh, it was a breezy show, easy to follow, easy to watch, and having the promos uh, in between, I thought was a professional choice, and it worked. Yeah, definitely a worthwhile show for the big shows. They do kind of dark show house show things that you can watch on IWTV if you want, um, but not necessarily like you have to and then yeah exactly what you said the main event was built up really well and and the production was done super well but it's kind of hard to to deliver at that level um at the biggest situation but either way um just thank everybody for listening we'll be back at some point soon um probably back to regularly scheduled programming soon enough there's a lot of stuff to talk about but uh we'll get to it get to it but uh thanks everybody for listening
Lord. 